your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. Now, the government, as you know, has announced a pension plan, or at least announced that they will be announcing the details of a pension plan. Taoiseach Meal Martin uh, came out to say that an agreement on a plan to reform the state pension and wider retirement rules is close, but some details are yet to be confirmed. And financial advisor Barry John Ryan, uh, who is with Barry John Ryan Financial Planning, luckily enough, because he is Barry John Ryan, <laughs> is on the line. Good morning to you. How are you doing? Good morning, and uh, firstly, thanks thanks for having me. Um, just to, I suppose, build on your point there, if I could just give some background or some context. Um, the plan in January 2021 was to push the uh, pension age or the state pension out to age 67. Now, this decision was deferred until the Pensions Commission could take a look at things. And I suppose the upshot of this um, has manifested itself in Hall Martin's announcement last week that there is a firm commitment to keep the pension age at uh, 66. But allied to this is to introduce this idea, I suppose, of a flexible retirement and that people would actually have the option to extend their uh, retirement age to age, age 70 and not access the state pension until age 70. So... It's an interesting one in that um, 65 has always been this magic number in terms of people's uh, retirement age, but that has never been uh, something that's been official. Uh, the majority of contracts of employment tend to be 65, but again, um, they are looking at legislation where the contracts of employment would actually be pushed out to age 70. So, yeah, and part you know, of the problem, of course, we've been having is that uh, people end up effectively being forced onto job seekers for a year if they leave at yeah. 65. Isn't that right? Before the state pension kicks in at 66. Something that, you know, they just don't want to do because they're not actually seeking a job, but it's often the only financial uh, option open to them. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, you know, from 65, the job seekers would be provide that transition, if you like, or bridge the gap to the, the state pension at, at, at 66. But I think with, you know, people living longer, people having a desire to continue working and um, people want increased flexibility. So if they can extend their retirement age out to 70, continue in employment and wait to access their state pension on, on, until then, then it opens up a nice option for people. But I, I think as a lot of commentators have uh, focused on during the week, the devil will be in the detail. And obviously, mm. we have to wait further details to get to, to get the actual specifics drilled down. Yeah, we're chatting to Barry John Ryan, a financial planner, and Kel Gallivan is also with us, uh, Mrs. Smart Money, as she's known. Hi, Kel, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm very good. Um, I'm just wondering about, and I accept there are a lot of ambiguities here because this has not been absolutely finalised, but at the same time, the teacher was willing to talk about it, so why shouldn't we? And so taking the current payment rates, for example, at 66, uh, the rate is €253.30. Um, and the suggestion in some media is that if you decide to retire at 67 instead, then you might end up with a pension at current rates of around €10 higher, €263 and higher rates would then apply as older age um, goes up to to 70. So you can see the attraction, but I suppose the key question is, where will the base be at 66 going forward? 
I, it, it, like that, it's hard to know. It's hard to predict um, how any of this is going to turn out. I, the devil will be in the detail, and I know you guys have mentioned that already, but it really will, because individually, like somebody might have that pension, but they could also have a separate pension, or they may not have a separate pension, and that will have huge implications on what their quality of life will be and their standards of life will be. Because we already have contributory and non-contributory old-age pensions, so it, it's not as if there aren't distinctions in the system already. Correct. And you will have some people where, you know, these new changes, like they'll, they won't have that much of an impact because they'll have their own private pensions or they might have separate pension or something built up. But there'll be a huge amount of people who will be highly dependent on it. And that's where the detail is really going to matter because with the way prices are rising, we don't know what that's going to look like in 5, 10, 15 years and how far that 200 and whatever number they end up with will will go. Because if you compare even to prices last year, like with the rate of inflation, you know that money's already being eroded. Yes. So if inflation continues, maybe that won't be enough. But if we can flatten it out, it might be. It's just very open playing field at the moment. Yeah, it is. And I suppose, Barry John, the other fear, and this is the whole point of why we've been looking at this so carefully in recent years, how are we going to pay for this? Yeah, excellent point. I think people have got to understand that the rationale behind uh, extending out retirement ages has been due to the costs that are involved. If you look at the demographics of our society, less people working for the numbers retired because it's the PRSI that ultimately funds this. So Michal Martin has referred to the fact there is going to be a cost somewhere and the cost might be to do with gradual increases in, uh, in PRSI because the money will have to come, uh, come from somewhere. Um, also, I suppose, got to allow for the fact that if someone um, if someone does defer their state pension... Your line's just got a bit muggy there if you want to just move ever so slightly. Sorry. Yeah, that if they were yeah. to defer their state pension until age 70, that they would be in line for a bonus to make up for perhaps the four years that they've actually be missed out on. But again, that the, the detail of that will, 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 will need uh, to, be, to be clarified. And I suppose it leads on to another interesting point is you mentioned the figures there, Joe, of 253.30 per week on the, on the state pension. In that, for a lot of people, uh, let's say someone earning maybe in the region of 30, 35,000 a year, if they're only dependent on the state pension, they are taking a pay cut of about, you know, maybe 66%, two thirds of a drop in income. We're all living longer with advances in medicine, thankfully. But the question is, how are we actually going to fund for our retirement? Coupled with the fact that I think that we all have aspirations of a greater lifestyle in retirement than perhaps previous generations. So I think what the great thing about this as well is that it is um, something that has been a bit of a, a political football for a number of years, which it shouldn't be. And I think if we can get a lot more clarity around the situation, and it also, I suppose, helps bring into focus um, the need for one to uh, fund their pensions privately. Yeah. Um, the amount of people that have access to employer-sponsored pension schemes that, would you believe, are not availing of them and leaving the employer's contribution on the table is it, it, huge. So I think it's, it's critical that, um, if you like, you have the, the pillar of the state in terms of the state pension, yeah. uh, the revenue in terms of tax relief, and then individuals 
taking well, you mentioned you mentioned tax relief Barry John Ryan is there and Kel Gallivan is with us as well and a listener is saying um, Kel uh, why would you bother paying into a private pension when the government take half of it off you in tax anyway <laughs> That's the question I would get asked quite a bit. And I totally understand it because when things are getting quite expensive and day to day when you, your groceries rising, your car payments and you have all this, it can be very hard to say, oh, I'm just going to put this chunk of very valuable money and lock it away in a place for, you know, I won't get it for decades. It, it's a bit of a big ask. But it I is think, tax efficient at the time. I, I assume yes. what that listener means is that at the point, depending on how much you're getting in various pensions, that you're drawing it down, you could end up paying tax on it to an extent then. Yes. So look, there are several benefits to starting a pension because you, if you put in a small amount now and if you're young and let it build, you don't have to put in a massive amount of money to get a, a, a chunk back out. And to hit the thresholds now, um, it, you'd have to... to to put putting the money in, there's a double win. It's tax efficient, and if there's an employer contribution, so you're only putting in a portion of what you're going to be getting at the other side. But in the meantime, that kind of triple win of you putting money in, the tax efficiency, and an employer contribution, if, if it exists, that triple win is going in and it's growing. So you're, this, this amount that you'll be drawing from will be a much bigger pot in theoretically, um, by the time you come to yeah. draw it back down the, again. so And there are tax-free lump sums, there are tax, you know, tax-free thresholds that you'd need to hit. So a chunk of it would be tax-free anyway, bringing it down. It's just it goes over and mm. above that. Yeah, there's, there's one other major problem here, of course. First of all, we have to see this final plan in the autumn and understand how it would work. And then we'll have to see how eminently reversible it might be in 10 years because whatever they say now, as the crunch mm. continues to come here... We could still find ourselves in a situation where pensions don't kick in until 70 or worse than that, there's little or no pension at all coming from the state. Yeah, that's going to have a very big knock-on effect for people because exactly like we were saying, some if you have a private pension, that's an extra revenue stream when you're older, when you're retired or, or when you just can't work. Um, but if the government state pension is lowered or if it doesn't keep up with inflation, people are going to be more dependent on their pensions. And if that's not there, then that's when a real pickle arises because people can't just pay for the normal day-to-day things in retirement. I mean, the problem, Barry John, ultimately is demographics. You know, we won't have as many people based on current trends working to pay for the pension. I mean, what people don't uh, because they don't really have to worry about it because of the way our PAYE system works, is that the money that they're uh, taking uh, from them in PRSI today is only paying for today's pensioners. It's not paying for when they retire. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And that will continue to be a challenge. And I suppose if you look at, you know, a, a point I referred to earlier, the, the reason that someone like myself born in 1977 would have had an expectation of getting a state pension at 68 by virtue of your, your very point there about you know the age profile and and the money not being not being there um you know this uh, commitment that Michael Martin has given at 66 there is going to be a cost involved and it's a, that is going to continue to be a juggling act and a challenge now in January 2024, the plan is to launch um, auto-enrolment, um, which are going to be mandatory pension schemes for employers and employees. Um, now, this might help um, you know, in terms of that um, private 
pension funding need that, that Kel has referred to there as well. And um, that you'd have three pillars essentially. You'd have an employer contribution, an employee contribution, and a state contribution, which would ultimately be what by way of tax relief, if you like. Okay. Um, so hopefully, uh, this will be something that will complement the state pension uh, and help, I suppose, to, to close off any potential uh, pension uh, funding gaps. Um, so hopefully, this is something that going right back to the time when uh, Leo Radker had the Department of Social Protection portfolio uh, before he got the top job, before COVID intervened and all of that. But thankfully, the auto-enrollment area is back on the agenda. Heather Humphreys okay. you know, said that January 2024 is the plan. And it just should mean that an increasing number of people will be in pensions, there yeah. will be the employer contribution, there will be tax relief. So yeah. if someone yeah. fast-forwards to retirement they have I mean, a scenario where they're getting an income from the state and they're getting an income yeah, from the likes the, of the yeah, off-one that, that's, that's the hope. But, uh, I mean, look, you know, people you know, in their 20s and 30s, they don't want to be thinking about pensions at all, and that's understandable. But you kind of need to, because the truth of the matter is, whatever the government are saying now, and they are saying it in good faith, and they will put a scheme in place, uh, the truth of the matter is 30, 35 years from now, you just don't know because the demographics are against this. That's the point. You're going to have far fewer people at work 30 years from now paying into uh, ultimately the pension fund that would be paying the pensions of people who are retiring at that point. And, you know, that demographic dilemma is not going away, it appears. But thank you very much for talking to us this morning. Financial advisor Barry John Ryan and Mrs. Smart Money, Kel Gallivan. Your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95.